0: Okay, so I know that it's half a sentence, and there's more to it. So I'm ripping it a little bit out of context, but it's one of those that can be taken out of context because it makes certain claims. It makes certain points that are true, whether it's within the context of Paul's speech or in any other context. So to read it again, Paul addressing the Athenians at the Areopagus tells them that he, God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Of course it continues that this is also providential in that they may seek him. Will grope after him. But that is not my concern this morning. My concern is just that, as the title tells us, this is our time. This is our time. 2022. Here we are. 2022. We've been given another year. Whether Christ comes back this year or not we don't know whether things get better or worse we don't know we can hazard a guess um, but the, the year finds us and the world in difficult situation it's been in worse situations but certainly there's a lot of disunity there's a lot of anger there's a lot of fear uh, there is a lot of distrust and the problem is with uh, all of these things is that um, they are they open us up to be manipulated by those people or forces who are very clever and uh, very scheming and who have studied hard how to um, how to take us in one direction or another direction how to f- make us feel one way or another way and as Christians we need to make sure that we are not being swayed by the same forces that are swaying the opinions of people in the world that the disunity that is being created out there in the name of justice is not something that we in the church buy into. The church should be unified. And the only way that the church is going to be unified, that is whether it's in a microcosm like this, the local church or the church at large is if the church is under the word of God. If the church really views the word of God the way God views the word of God. Now let me go further. If the church views the word of God the way Satan views the word of God. Satan knows the word of God means what it says. He knows it has authority. He wants to persuade you, as he's persuaded the world, that it has no authority, that it is uh, pointless and not worth your time. And if it is worth your time, it's only worth your time to the extent that it makes you feel good about yourself. No. Unity is around the truth, and the Word of God represents the truth. It doesn't matter how it makes us feel. That is the way that we ought to go forward into 2022. So I have four points here, but I want to get to the fourth point uh, fairly quickly. So the first thing that I want to point out is that this text claims... That there is only one race of human beings. We talk about racism and the different races and being racist and um, the white supremacy of, you know, as if the, the white race is different than the black race or... Uh, Africans and Chinese and Europeans are from a different race. They are not from a different race. They're all human beings. One race of men related to one another, all equal. Now, I say all equal, they're all equal in their value as human beings made in the image of God. That doesn't mean all their cultures are equal. It doesn't mean all their beliefs are equal. It doesn't mean all their values are equal. Now, in the world, that would make me racist. I say, I'm not racist because there's only one race of men. But some people groups in different parts of the world believe things that are just plain wrong. Of course, we do too, don't we? We buy into materialism. And then we buy into, uh, especially in the United States, self-esteem. And we buy into all kinds of things that we relate to the Bible, which aren't there in the Bible at all, actually. Now, the Athenians... The Athenians were people who believed that they were above everybody else in the world. You see, the Athenians, they didn't do a lot of, um, it was kind of a strange uh, thing about people from Athens. They really liked being from Athens, and so they tended to stay in Athens and its environs. And they were very proud of the fact that they had lineages way back into the history of Athens. And Athens was the great glory of the world. And of course you can point back to the philosophers and the writers, the poets and the playwrights and so on of Athens in order to prove that or make your point. But the fact of the matter is, the Athenians, who had now Paul here, questioning him and listening to him, they really believed they were the top, the cream of the crop. In fact, some of them believed that human beings, or at least Athenians, people from Athens, they sprung out of the earth of Athens, that the gods had made them in that vicinity. And they were rooted to that vicinity. Therefore, the Athens were a separate race, a a superior race, a better race than everybody else. Paul strikes right at the heart of that belief by saying, in verse 26, that God, the one God, not the false gods, has made from one, and if you have the New King James, it says one blood. If you have the, the other translations, it just says one, but it means one man, one blood. Every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. They all come from one person, one created man. That means that nobody has any kind of special priority over anybody else. That's the biblical view. This one verse, by the way, should have been enough to stop Christians. And yes, there were Christians a hundred years ago and not even that long ago. From believing that the white race was superior to the black race, they wouldn't even speak in those terms. Because this verse counters any kind of of dividing up of the human race, and it was an insult to the Athenians, and it might be an insult to. Certain peoples today, but you know what? God's word is truth. It means when it says, we are all one race. So, later on in the, the series on the sanctified life, we're going to encounter a little bit. We're going to have to say something about racism and we're going to have to say something about Critical race theory, which has been propounded nowadays, and other things about white privilege and the rest of that, okay? We're going to have to say something about that because those are issues that we have to have a biblical outlook upon. But if you remember this text, if you remember this verse, it will help you at least to to understand where your mind needs to be on this. It will be a guiding principle for any discussions that we have later on. So that's the first thing. There's one race of men and women. He continues though and he says it's not just that God has made us from one parent but that God has also Look at the words determined and pre appointed our times and our boundaries. This is a God who is hands on, this is a God who plans and acts. Now, the Greeks believed that they were, again, superior. They believed that uh, they were the pinnacle of history. Well, Greece has had its time, hasn't it? And the United States may well have its time, just like the United Kingdom, where I come from, has had its time. We're not greater better than anybody else if you travel to other countries you'll see that they do things much better than we do do things in some areas but the fact is that god has determined where certain peoples dwell and when they dwell and you can you can take that right down to the individual God has determined where you live and when you live. In the same way that David can say that he is conceived by God and his uh, body parts are knit together in the womb so that God is hands on there. So, where you live and when you live is determined by God. Now, please don't misunderstand me here. I am not saying that your every thought, your every deed, that everything that you do has been pre-appointed by God so that you're just kind of a robot. You just don't know you're a robot. I'm not saying that. The Bible does not teach that, okay? But it does teach a very strong doctrine of providence. And you need to understand that you're within God's providence here at the cusp of 2022. This is a providential time for us. God governs history and he governs this time. God has put us in this place at this time. Paul He doesn't beat around the bush. He has no fear of man at all. He is insulting these Athenians who are listening to him. But we take these two uh, points, that there is one human race and that the times and the boundaries of peoples have been determined by God. And we have to understand, therefore, that... There, there is a question that must come up in our minds as those who have been born again and who are therefore the inheritors of another country, an eternal country. Yet, here we are in this point of time, here we are in this, um, the beginning of this year, and we have... Something to do. And the question must be, how are we to move forward in 2022? And there isn't a, as, as is normal with scripture, there isn't a difficult and complex answer to that question. There's a fairly easy one. We are to move forward in the way that Paul wants these Athenians to move forward. Now, Paul is addressing these Athenians. They haven't heard of the Bible. They uh, think that the Jews are a bunch of weirdos and Paul's a Jew. They think that there's nothing that they can possibly learn from this man, but they're interested in what he has to say, at least for a bit of light entertainment. But Paul is taking his... Uh, opportunity, And he's pointing them right at God. He's getting them to, to think about the fact that the gods they've believed, in their superstitions, that the views that they've held, that they're some kind of superior race, are utterly erroneous. And that God has acted in history and supremely, as he will go on to say, acted in one man whom he has raised from the dead, and whom he calls everyone now to think again about. And there must be a rethinking, a repentance to those who possess this world with us. And we are not going to call the world to repentance if we ourselves have not rethought at the beginning of 2022 what our priorities are. And our priority is simple. It is to obey God in this time and this place. It is to obey God And we do that by using the Bible as our light, using the truth. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a what? lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Well, that's what you need when you're going forward in the darkness. You need a lamp, you need a light. And if you've got one, you don't need another one. If you've got one that does the job and really lights up the path in front of you, hold on to it. Well, you've got one. God's put it into your hands. And it's the only light, it's the only lamp that will keep you on the path that God wants you to be on. It is the only one that will call you back if you stray. It's the only one that will tell you about the hope that you have. Those things that are stored up for you in Christ Jesus. He's the only one that can t- tell you, remind you, yes, you have been forgiven. Yes, you are not your own. Yes, you are a son, you are a daughter now of God. The old you, he's dead. She's buried with Christ. Gone. All things now are new. All things are moving towards that consummation, that telos in Jesus Christ that you're part of. So you have the light in this world. In this place, in this time that you've been put. The same psalm, Psalm 119, asks the question, how can a young man or a young person cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. We were just looking... In Sunday school, at the temptations. And the first temptation of Satan to Jesus was, uh, you know, you must be really famished. I mean, come on. You've been doing this for 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, you must be really hungry. Just make some bread for yourself and feed yourself. Jesus' response was, Matthew four four it is written, You shall not live by bread but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And if that means you don't pick up bread because or you don't take bread that's not yours, or you don't do something to feed yourself, have the okay, you didn't have the green light, then you wait and you trust in God. Because God's word must come first, even before your hunger. It has that kind of authority. And you have that kind of trust in it. So Jesus walled off that That route, you see, that Satan was going to go down. Of parting our human needs, our human desires from what the word of God was saying. No, our desires and our needs must be guided by this book. So we use the Bible as our light. Okay. Here we are. We've been placed in this world, we've been placed in this time, there's all kinds of tumult around us. You don't need to be reminded of this, but I'm going to do a little bit of reminding anyway. I'm going to be helped here by a book that I recommend. It's called Saving Leonardo by Nancy Piercy. And uh, as well as being very smart, Woman, she's uh, she's not afraid to pull her punches either, which is uh, sometimes it's it's a little unsettling reading her stuff because she just you know just presents it to you, okay, before she gets to how you to deal with it. So it can be a little rough uh, dealing with uh, the opening chapters of her books. But let me just quote a few things that set us up for an understanding of this time and place that we're in. So she says this, I'm just going to give you a couple of quotes here. Sociologists describe what's happening as an emerging global secularism. Now, whether you agree that there's an emerging glo- global secularism or not, she's so still going to make a point. I actually don't think there's an emerging global secularism. Okay? I think that there's a, uh, a spirituality involved in this. Okay? I think Satan is, sh- is showing his hand more and more. But, quote, there is, without question, a globalized elite Culture, writes sociologist Peter Berger, an international subculture composed of people with Western type higher education. End quote. They tend to congregate in large metro- metropolitan areas so that elites in New York City have essentially the same secular mindset as their counterparts in London, Tokyo, and Sao Paulo. These urban elites exert power far out of proportion to their numbers. As Berger writes, quote, they control the institutions that provide the official definitions of reality, such as law, education, mass media, academia, and advertising. Just think about those. Law, education, mass media, academia, and advertising. I mean, they have all of the modes of persuasion. In short, they are society's gatekeepers. People who have the power to control the official definitions of reality are in a position to impose their own private worldview across an entire society. And they will impose their definitions and their worldview upon you. In this time and this place, if you do not allow the Bible to dictate the path that you're on. She continues. Just listen. There is a trend that will long continue after the current president leaves office. At this point it was Obama, but it doesn't matter who it was. Modern societies are knowledge-based societies where information and expertise are as critical as economic resources. Those with the authority to define what qualifies as knowledge wield the greatest power. Finally, she says, it is becoming clear that much of what used to be considered common sense is not common at all. Instead, it is a product of the West's distinctively Christian heritage. Today, it can no longer be simply assumed. It has to be intentionally articulated and defended. If you want to articulate biblical common sense, you've got to be in your Bibles. If you want to defend it, then you'll only defend something that means something to you. People are immersed in defending their health and their self-esteem and uh, their characters, would that they would have so much zeal to defend the truth of God. We have to, in our time, in 2022 and whatever time we have beyond beyond that, realise this is our time, this therefore is our responsibility. God's left us here, and he's not left us here to do our own thing and think our own thoughts. As 1 Corinthians 6.20 reminds us, For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Verse 19, he reminds us, we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're God's. The logic is, because we're temples of the Holy Spirit, we do not own ourselves. Because the Holy Spirit has come into us and been gifted to us, we do not therefore own the direction of our lives. We just think we do. But we've got to tell ourselves the truth. We've got to remind ourselves, okay, what am I here for? Why am I here? What have I got to do in this coming year? And the answers to that question have got to be, well, since I don't own my own body, since I don't own myself, that I've been bought by Jesus Christ, what does he want me to do? As far as the individual places that we may go, the people we may interact with and so on, those things are not as important as the key question which is, are we going to order our lives in accordance with this book? Because then the people that we'll meet, the places that we'll go, the things that we will impact or be impacted by will all relate to how we have Put ourselves under this book. How we are relating to God through his word. That's a simple message, isn't it? Doesn't matter whether you live in the sixth century, the seventeenth century, or the twenty first century. The answer that comes back is this is our time. God has given us a responsibility. He's chosen you for this time. He's chosen me for this time. He didn't ask our permission to do it. And now, because we're not not our own, are we going to decide to move forward under the umbrella of God's word? That's the simple message that I have at the beginning of this year. And I'm going to go on and talk, because I haven't finished this series on the sanctified life. In fact, really, this is, uh, this is another part of the series. I just snuck it in. Um, I'm going to continue this series on a sanctified life. I'm going to start addressing some tough issues and some hot topics. And it's going to search you as to whether you are really under the word of God or not. I'm not going to make political points, but I'm going to make biblical points. I'm going to talk about abortion. I'm going to talk about race. I'm going to talk about gender. I'm going to talk about common sense. Taken from the word of God. And I want you to be on board. And you will be on board. If you'll simply understand. What Paul says here. He has made from one blood. Every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And has determined their pre pre-appointed, the pre-appointed times. And the boundaries of their dwellings. That includes you. And in fact it's especially Means you because you have been bought with a price. You have been taken out of darkness and delivered into the kingdom of his dear son. The kingdom of light. As a child of light. Live as a child of light. And the only way you'll live as a child of light if you ha- is if you use this light that God has given to you. Amen. That is Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, we acknowledge that we easily go astray. As Steve has reminded us, thinking back on 2021, it's very easy, if we're honest with ourselves, to think about the many times that we did things our way and we did not call to mind our responsibilities before you. And certainly that is true of myself. I pray, Heavenly Father, your forgiveness, because there is always a chance to get up, dust ourselves off, and start again. Make this church, Father, a church that truly embraces the authority and the sufficiency of your word. Make it a place, Lord, where we know what we believe and we know why. In Jesus' name, Amen.